You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome to the show. This is Extra Textual. I'm Eli Steenledge, and with me today is... Jeremy Holiday. Uh, this is our Now Playing episode. We're talking about what we watch in our own living rooms, yeah. on our own screens, mostly streaming stuff. The first thing I actually want to mention, as a little side note, is that, Jeremy, it is like a golden age of television, I feel <laughs> like right the now. People say that, but the, I feel the, like the, it the is The golden true. age of television. Uh, and this year in particular, I feel like, has been extra good to me in particular. Uh, so I mean, we, t- had, we got Twin Peaks? I mean... We got Twin Peaks, just finished. We had the final season of The Leftovers in the spring actually finished right as Twin Peaks was starting, so like it's a nice run right there. Um, and technically this was not this year, but I just watched it, was the second season of uh, Mr. Robot, which mm-hmm. I just finished, but the new season is starting um, any day now, I believe. And uh, those are all amazing shows and really uh, complex and interesting. have been some of the best viewing experiences I've had hmm. in a long time. Also some of the best, like... Not that for me to enjoy shows, they have to have, like, puzzles sort of concept or, like, mystery that you feel like you have to, like... I like a good mystery. I do like a good mystery. So, um, but in particular, these shows do have sort of, like, a puzzle element, though I think all three, it is not really the point, necessarily. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think uh, just really great shows. I would recommend everybody watch those. They're not quite as popular, especially The Leftovers. And Twin Peaks, I think, didn't get quite as much attention as um, people thought, or how popular they thought it would be. And, of course, we have uh, a series of three episodes I did with Ben Grisanti on Twin Peaks, so you can go back and listen to those. But I just wanted to mention, that show finished, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just a great time to be watching if you like those kind of shows. So, we can move on past that. And we may eventually do, I'd like to do a Leftovers show. We, we will get there, you We like. will get there eventually. I, I need to watch more of it, and then we will. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, moving on from there, uh, why don't you mention something off your list? Oh, so, um, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> having stalled at, like, season six and the second season, uh, uh, episode six of the second season of Leftovers, I was searching mm-hmm. for other things. Yeah. And um, I happened to um, stumble into, which I talked about uh, before, The Expanse. This mm-hmm. is a sci-fi show about future in space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had watched the first season of it, or most of the first season, when I talked about it last time. Um, and I uh, finished the first season, and uh, which is available on Amazon Prime. And then I quickly bought the second season um, and watched it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's great. Yeah. Um, some more things that I have to say about it are... I mean, I... There's some element of uh, genre, which I guess is important to talk about, because mm-hmm. I think to some extent, like, you can, you know, take things in a certain genre, put them all together in a room, and they have, a, like, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a conversation, you know, yeah. like, there's this ongoing story about these certain speculative aspects of things. Mm. And I think that um, The Expanse 
really is able to hold the mantle of like the uh, space show. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and so I like I don't. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and they're like, "Is it better than Star Trek?" And I'm like, "Star Trek is its own genre, as, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, because there's yeah, yeah. there's there's TV, there's movie, there's TV, there's movie, there's you know like generations yeah. of all kinds of Star Trek stuff, and it, it kind of has its own world. Yeah, you know, and in in some sense, I also like Star Wars is you know like some of my favorite stuff mm-hmm. um, some of my favorite sci-fi but it's also like it's its own there's enough of it that it's its own genre by the way can I interrupt sure for a side conversation um, I'm pretty excited about the new Star Trek show uh-huh. on CBS mm-hmm. um, kind of on CBS but it's quite a dilemma and I think I've heard for a lot of people that it is only available on their streaming only service and uh for one thing, apparently the app is like crap and sucks and like hardly works. And uh, most people complain that like, what else on CBS do I want to watch? Probably. Not. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, so there's two things I can say about that. One, um, Colin Burnett, a friend of mine who was on the show, on the show before when we talked about Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, I think he likes it. I think he's, he, he remarked being hooked by about episode two. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, he he's a fan of a lot of things. Um, and I was like, mm, Colin likes it. It's worth a try. Um, the other thing is, like, it does not surprise me at all that CBS did this, right? right. This is, like, the model of how you get people <laughs> to subscribe. To, like, you know, for, I mean, like, what? I mean, like, because uh, The Walking Dead is on AMC. Like, what else does AMC do? Or certainly, like, when, like, season two was airing. Like, what else did they have that was going to get people to do their streaming service right. if it existed back then? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but certainly, like, that's clearly the model. Mm-hmm. Like, you put together something that they cannot get yeah, anywhere else sure. yeah. and they're going to pay for it. It's like a cash grab like, yeah, for them. Even yeah. if they're going to buy like subscriptions to all kinds of stuff they will never watch, mm-hmm. like they will pay for this one thing. Yeah. And I saw like it, it doesn't surprise me at all. I've also heard they uh, are splitting the season up so there's like a month break in between so like people are also like well so I have to like subscribe to this for am I just you're probably going to be lazy and just let your subscription go for that month instead of like canceling yeah. and then re-signing up so it does seem really calculated to uh, to just get money or get people uh-huh. to watch CBS I, I so, yeah um, I, I think that that's absolutely it's quite a I mean it's quite I, annoying yeah I mean I I don't I don't share that grump about it. <laughs> I'm happy that CBS is making something awesome. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm, you know, like I, and I'm glad. I mean, when I look at like the golden age of television, mm-hmm. I'm glad that in the golden age of television, um, the the good stuff is spread across networks, cable true. TV, independent true. producers. Yeah. You know, big Hollywood. Pro- I'm glad that like in this, you know, like because we got agents of shield and we got like the defending like we'd have all kinds mm-hmm. of um we got the leftovers yeah. you know on stuff that's on hbo whatever you get my point mm-hmm. uh that's fun to me because yeah. it shows that like a lot of people a lot of different studios and you know i mean like i've always i talk about this before like what like there are a lot of super smart very wonderfully skilled artists in the world mm-hmm. and there's very limited bottlenecks you know and gatekeepers to let those people make art yeah and with the absolute garbage <laughs> that um Hollywood has produced over the recent times, right. and I understand a little bit more about why that is. Um, they, I'm just happy to see other people being able to put their creativity into yeah. visual media that I get to consume, and, and, and I like there's lots of a different lot people, people doing yeah. that, you know, mm-hmm. having opportunities. Yeah. yeah, and it's like you know, I mean, sure, like Stan, I mean, Stanley's great, 
Mm-hmm. But like, would it would it may, may be cool to like have somebody else be in the range? I mean, I know he invented yeah. so many of these characters, right. um, but some of I mean, some of the stuff is just it's too branded. I mean, it's mm-hmm. too Marvel yeah. for me. And I know I'm talking about Marvel right now, but um, uh, you can go back to your yeah. So um, he's great. I'm glad that some you know, and I'm glad somebody's making Star Trek this interesting. Yeah, um, you know, I, yeah. And so, so I was talking about the expanse. Yeah. Like I think the expanse is like the the vanguard. It is like the current bright line of you know like space shows. You know things in the genre are you know Babylon Five, um, uh, Farscape. I, I include Mass Effect, the video game, in there because because okay. it, it's I think a really important sci-fi storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I mean, you you. The, the, the early and the remake of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. You know, and, and even, I mean, even things like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm. um, and maybe like uh, Red Dwarf. You know, funny but silly, but it's space and mm-hmm. it's not Star Trek or Star Wars. Yeah. So my point with The Expanse is that um, if you look at it and you can see strong elements of all these past shows. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, there's stuff that takes place on a space station that has really strong elements of Babylon 5. Um, there's sort of this space explorative part that that does echo um, Star Trek in that there are uh, there there's like United Nations and they have spacecraft and there's mm-hmm. Mars and they have spacecraft and certainly like I mean for me I mean I, I see uh, the greatest intellectual predecessor to it is Mass Effect. Mass mm-hmm. Effect is a noir. Um, it starts with a very enigmatic and very powerful evil, and this is the arc essentially of expand. It, 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 it is a space noir. Mm-hmm. Um, it says so on the disc on the liner notes, <laughs> um, and it's great. Like yeah. I couldn't really ask for more. Mm-hmm. Um, I like space. I like noir, yes. and, and there's even like some really cool. I feel like references to classic noir. Like there's a, there's a ref- they're in this uh, space station that's sort of derelict and um, right. they go inside um, and there's the problem with the water you know right, like, right. It, you know and, and it's the water that sort of shows them that the, apparently they're pumping like the wrong kind of water for the plants and so like eventually all the you know like the plants which sustain this place and clean the air are gonna fail it's like Chinatown she's like Chinatown yeah. right and I was like that's really um, and it's a kind of like genre is convenient to talk about things mm-hmm. but it also like as a watcher of many different kinds of films always kind of bothers me because mm-hmm. it's like oh like you like yeah you like sci-fi you know and whatever yeah. like it's still like because right, i'm a right. nerd or whatever mm-hmm. i also like other films too right um and i don't like my sci-fi to be crappy mm-hmm. you know like i mean i think i mean i just feel like all of us who all those geeks and nerds that were like so excited when we started watching the new Battlestar galactica by the yeah. end we're like what like just <laughs> what did you do to us right like you he has a great idea and you just ran it into the ground over right. and over and over again. <laughs> it's just shameful. Mm-hmm. And we all have to know who the Cylons are or we can't live, you know? Right. You still have to finish um, it, yeah. But, I, you know, so the, so it's 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 a it's a great show. I mean, I feel like it has, like, a lot of sophistication in terms of its production, in terms of its storytelling. Um, it It is well done. The acting is weak at some points, mm-hmm. which I think is actually, actually sort of a hallmark of the genre. I don't, I don't fault them for that. It's a TV yeah, show. Um, yeah. I really like how we, you know, the first season it starts around this sort of central mystery and we sort of follow this noir story to mm-hmm. eventually get there. Like, you know, it it does commit some um, things. Like, there's some tropes that I don't like that the show has. Yeah. One of which is that, like, human emotion is the single most powerful force in the universe, which is so, like, human-centric. It's unscientific. It makes me 
mm-hmm. grumpy all yeah. over. Um, there's a little bit of that at the end of the first season. Um, and I don't... I'm tolerant of it. I feel like they're... Like the character who sort of says like, oh, we need to like do this emotional thing to solve the problem. Everyone else is like, that's crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, that's right, because that is crazy. Yeah. Um, even But that's how it happens to work. Mm-hmm. And it, it, but it, it's also related to, to the noir plot and this mm-hmm. cop trying to find this person, you know, the sort of the femme fatale in the story. And so yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it. It's not probably how I would have done it, but I also didn't write the books. And I didn't make the show. Right. Um, and like, it works. And it, mm-hmm. it sort of works in a way that um, if it weren't as well made, if the writing wasn't as good, you wouldn't. It'd just be like bad. Yeah. But it works. Mm-hmm. And and the thing I like about the show is like, and so that like big old thing happens, and then the world goes on, and right. there's like all this other stuff that happens starting in the Interesting. second season, yeah. and this and the after effects of the first season is there, mm-hmm. you know, and and the world just keeps building and getting more and more complicated. Like it expands. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the expanse I think refers to like scared. yeah, um, expansive space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it, you know, and it, it's like it's um, it continually is getting more complicated and challenging, mm-hmm. and the writers seem able to handle that. That's cool. There are a couple points where I'm like, oh my god, that person just did that. Like, I, can they just do that? Like, <laughs> is it you know the, the Martians who are more militaristic? There's like at one point someone punches someone in the face, mm-hmm. like a, a commanding officer, and I'm like, how does that? How did that just happen? Yeah. You know, and it's this, it, and I understand, like, it, it's a crucial and important element of the story, and, and it, it happens, like, in an embassy, so, like, it's, mm-hmm. and the, and I think the, the like, um, one of the things that the filmmakers do is, that, like, they show a lot of civilians in the space mm-hmm. to kind of show that it's a not particularly, um, like, a militarized space in which this event happens, mm-hmm. and I was like, so, I, so, I mean, like, I feel like they're, they do a good job of making it work. Yeah. And also, like, the, the people in the show talk about how, like, the universe is getting more complicated. Mm. And they're like, there's these, these new political entities coming about. There's these new, this sort of mysterious alien technology, uh, uh, apparent alien technology yeah. that comes about that just is, like, fundamentally changing the way things are. Mm-hmm. And people talk about it. Yeah. And, and it's like the world, you know, like, there's, a, there's like a near extinction event for humanity, which is narrowly averted and no one's in entirely sure exactly what happened yeah and and they talk about like oh like we just did this huge thing you'd figure there'd be like some more political will better political right. will between us and they're just you know like and yeah. there's even more scheming like that you right. know and um it it, it see it has like that uh, like the ring of realism and mm-hmm. and like harsh practicality about it mm. That um, makes it very interesting and different than a lot of other shows certainly because it's like as each individual little arc ends like each story arc it's not like everything is just magically fixed right it's like they enter more problems <laughs> you know that's like you know and they find you know and you find out like oh this place where they're safe they, they're not safe there anymore which to me is like one of the things that i like about noir it's yeah. like our character is in a precarious situation at the beginning and it gets it gets progressively more precarious yeah as they go deeper and deeper into finding out you know the depravity of humanity mm-hmm. um and I'll say that I mean the 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 added like the the thing that they encounter is this thing called the proto molecule, which is this like you'll watch the show it'll be great. <laughs> you know, um, it's a I won't spoil everything, yeah, but it's spoil. it's like a it's it's a mysterious substance. Mm-hmm. They think it comes. They think it's extrasolar. Mm-hmm. They don't know. Yeah. No one really knows where it comes from. And one of the things that I really really like about the show is our, our point of view is tied very tightly to a small group of people. Mm. 
and we only know what they know. What they know. Yeah. And there's a there's a big story out there that we get pieces of, mm-hmm. and you can eventually sort of figure things out based on the information you get. But like, it it's very deliberate and it's very entertaining <laughs> because there's there's plenty of times like there's a big battle at the end of the second season where like you, there's a ship attacking that ship disappears <laughs> and you're like and you're like oh like it looks like it's still oh it looks like it's been blown up you have no idea how or oh, why it got blown up and you hmm. you don't find out i mean you find out later yeah but like In the the, the yeah. reason you like the reason it happens you have no idea hmm. like you know and yeah. Um, you know, and so it's like, again, like, you know, having this noir style to it in that, like, our heroes are trying to do something good, hurtling through this strange world, encountering depravity <laughs> and goodness all along the way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, I don't know, the, the story itself, I think, is, is an interesting story, mm-hmm. but it's told in such a good way mm-hmm. um, that it, it's an infinitely more entertaining and interesting. Yeah. Um, and also, there's just yeah. So I just think it's really, really well done. And I think that um, for for our audience out there, if you've played Mass Effect, which is probably one of the greatest sci-fi games of all time, yeah. Um, this really um, takes a lot of the concepts and ideas, and certainly the presentation style of that game, mm-hmm. and takes it sort of to the next level. Yeah. Um, and you know, and uh, so yeah, it, it's you know, I think um, the sort of the if, if, if you imagine all the things in the genre as um, various artists attempting to deal with this sort of realistic, speculative, near future situation, right? Um, it, it's, it's you know it's the best that humanity has produced so far, mm-hmm. and, and and I mean in terms of a television show, right? Because in certainly in novels and in books, there's there's I think a, a lot more there. Sure, you can go more in depth. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, and there's just like there's just so many more examples of really interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it just uh, it hasn't been done, you know, to this level. Yeah, and yeah. I think I mean like you know in 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 this year we have um, the uh, arrival, mm-hmm. which is like in, in the genre of like first contact films, mm-hmm. one of the best by far. Yeah, you know, and we have that guy who's directing Blade Runner. New Blade Runner, yeah, which is just which we'll talk about soon. Really yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that there's, you know, in the golden age of television, one of the things that I'll say about the golden age of television that I heard on a podcast the other day or on public radio mm-hmm. was that um, one of the reasons why, um, you know, like production studios, both television and um, movies, are doing like these, like just the big ones, yeah, is they like it's not, it's about all they have left, <laughs> you know, like you know, like Amazon yeah. Studios can do romantic comedies out the wazoo because mm-hmm. they're. Like you can get the acting and you can get the technology to, to, to capture the film and you can get editing you can do all that stuff but you can't do like gigantic scenery because it's so sure. expensive and right. so and like so that's what the studios yeah. have left mm-hmm. and so I think that in this golden age of uh, television there, there's a, a lot more of some of the interesting writing mm-hmm. um, is shifting to uh, television. Yeah, it, yeah you know to just these you know different or independent, Mm-hmm. Um, places where you know, I mean, given it's on sci-fi, and sci-fi has had some like a few successful big name breakout mm-hmm. shows, and they're certainly you know since the very beginning. I, I watched it when it first started, like cause we had a satellite dish, and yeah, they if anyone watched it way back then in, in like the early nineties, <laughs> I mean, like they didn't have enough content to like fill up or, their or, day, yeah, so they would just show like they had a bunch of tiny little animated shorts that they would show. Like there's <laughs> this one of this like. Uh, 
uh, it's a window with legs that runs and <laughs> falls down. And they would show like the giant sci-fi logo, which is like a planet yeah. for like 20 minutes. Didn't have, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, you know, but like um, a lot of these sort of middling content folks, mm-hmm. I just, I just, I mean, like, uh, Writing is my thing, you know. Yeah. Writing and story is what I care about, mm-hmm. um, and I just see uh, so much good writing mm-hmm. and good story, yeah. good visual storytelling, making it into a good finished product mm-hmm. in a way that certainly in TV and in films, like I haven't not really been a part of my life. It's like, oh, like here's this, you know, studio yeah. production which has it looks awesome, right? But it's pretty like light on the. Um, thinking so. Yeah, they have to um, have the biggest common denominator. So yeah, and you know, some of it's really fun. I just mm-hmm. um, yep. the expanse. I, I really like the expanse, and I think that, and and I don't think that I'm alone in that, and I don't think that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know where it's going to go, but I mean, you know, like at the end of season two, it was no real sign of letting up. There's yeah, right. plenty of really interesting things to come. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 in some sense, we're like there. There's a, a miss. There's a one element of the mystery that we begin the story with, which is mm-hmm. kind of like, who's all involved in whatever it is this is? Yeah. And we don't really have an answer to that till the end of the second season. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, I am totally fine with, because because one of the things I like about it, I'm totally fine with waiting for a long time for that kind of stuff, yeah. for it reveals, because I think like, the, though we, it progressively reveals things over a long period of time, mm-hmm. none of it is nonsense i mean like it, it all makes a lot of sense the way that it is and how we find out about it right um and that and that also like that's just good writing and that's mm-hmm. a good mystery um and that makes for a good noir you know right um so i've talked a bit longer than i had intended yeah. about it but um I, I just think you know if you have any you know if you have watched babylon 5 if you have watched farscape if you have any interest in sort of like the speculative near future like um you will be tremendously pleasantly surprised with the expanse cool yeah i was gonna bring up death note Mm -hmm. in its few different incarnations so i had heard recently that netflix was releasing a live action Mm -hmm. version of the uh, anime produced by netflix the Mm -hmm. live action version so um, I had seen the kind of Death Note, the anime floating around on streaming stuff for a while, but didn't quite know if it was for me. So, but the movie looked intriguing from the trailer, so I decided to watch uh, a couple episodes of the anime to get a feel for that, and then uh, and then watch the live action version, and so I would kind of have something to compare it to. And as it was kind of coming out, I started to hear some negative stuff about the live action one. Part of it is, you know, the usual translating, you know, um, a story from another culture to this culture. Mm-hmm. And there was some ideas of, like, whitewashing and things like that uh, in that. And so I was kind of curious where that was coming from and what aspect. And I, I will have to say, I thought the movie, the live action was interesting, but I can see some of the problems um, that came with it. The director is actually pretty interesting, Adam Wingard. He made um, Your Next and The Guest, which are both kind of in... Your Next is definitely like horror. Um, The Guest is a little more interesting, more like thriller, I guess. Mm -hmm. Suspense has some violent stuff in it still. 
but uh, both interesting films. Um, I'll have to say that I couldn't really handle your next <laughs> very far into it. I tried watching it because I heard good things. I watched the Death Note. Um, interesting film, but after I watched that, I kind of found myself going back to the original anime and and going through that series. It was a little bit longer than maybe I wanted to commit to. Um, so I'm not finished with it yet, but it's still pretty interesting mm-hmm. and a lot more fascinating than the yeah. film. Um, some of my issues with the film overall, I think the way they adjusted the story. Um, in the anime, the main character is like a high school kid. Mm-hmm. And he's like actually very intelligent. He is fairly like aware of himself and things like that mm-hmm. and aware of the world around him. And kind of the the main premise is that there are these Japanese death gods mm-hmm. that have these like notebooks and like when people die, it's from like them writing the name in the notebook and they can kind of also see like when people are supposed to die and stuff. And they kind of live in their own like realm mm-hmm. and then can come to yeah. the human world. So uh, the premise is one of these notebooks falls into the hands of a human sort of accidentally and they then also have this power of whoever they write in the notebook uh, then dies. In the anime, it's much more of he's very intelligent, he's uh, very confident in who he is before this happens, so he decides he's going to rid the world of sort of evil, and this is by, you know, um, evil people. So, uh, you know, criminals, people have done horrible things, murderers, he's going to kind of like clear the world of them and hopefully create a better world out of it. And he sort of picks up on this mission very quickly. And controls it, and kind of the uh, the twist is that while the notebook is in the hands of the human, um, the death god sort of has to be with them. Um, nobody else can see the death god though, so they're sort of like a little uh, like demon on their shoulder sort of thing, but like human size. Uh, so that's interesting. So in the live action film, we get William Defoe as sort of this weird somewhat goth-looking, kind of taken from the anime sort of death god creature, um, who's a little bit, like, has, like, spiky parts coming out of him and stuff. But that was sort of fun, seeing William Dafoe portray it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not totally sure I haven't heard if he actually was physically portraying it or if it was just his voice, but he's got that good sort of creepy goblin voice that he utilized, too. Yeah. And he was sort of fun. Anyways, uh, the issues I have with the film are both, you know, they're translating something that's very Japanese, because in the anime, people sort of are aware of this concept of death gods, even though they don't necessarily, like, in a modern world believe this, but it is, like, a well-known idea in their culture. But in the U.S., we kind of lose that that connection to it, just talk about a death god. And it's a very Japanese um, cultural idea. Uh, the other issue is it felt like the film is like hour and a half trailer sort of for the story <laughs> for like a story that you're yeah. about to see yeah or like for the whole story like it's just it feels like it's run they just like trimmed everything they could and it's got like a lot of montages to kind of like oh, get yeah. you through segments of time so we don't see a lot of like the development of that character dealing with this like he just like jumps right into it yeah um, they also change 
the character the main character to be sort of like a loser who sort of gains his power interesting yeah um in, in america so i think it kind of downplays like the concept of him trying to do something good sort of yeah and it's also um, more of like a tried and true trope right exactly especially an american trope and it kind of loses the um the concept of like he thinks that he can do something to change the world and he's very confident in doing that mm-hmm. where in the american version he's not very confident and he also like shares it with his girlfriend very quickly or who wants to be a girlfriend which just doesn't seem very realistic that he would reveal yeah. this because he doesn't this really sounds like anybody. a reminds me of like when i watched um uh, the parallel series, um, uh, Broad Church, okay, and then Grace Point, yeah, was the like the American version. version, yeah, and like all the stuff in the American version was like, if you like took the British version and turned the dome up to eleven, right, yeah, it'd be like, is what is what Grace Point looks like. So let me just as an example, yeah, like David Tennant plays the same character in both versions. Mm-hmm. In the British version, his doctor, like he is like a like a sort of a heart thing, and his doctor's yeah. like, you could get, you could like. You're gonna get really sick if you keep working really hard. Yeah. And the Americans are the American version is like, if you keep working, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, of course. Okay, like, yeah, you know, like yeah. and everything is just like so much more sort of absurd and, and associated mm-hmm. with these tropes. Mm-hmm. I I just get I mean yeah. I just tire of it. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, oh, like a loser gets power. I'm like, mm-hmm. why why does a loser have to be? I mean, I'm getting yeah. all grumpy now. Why does the why does the, why does a loser have to be a thing right. that we like? Why is it that like we like we our world has to be perpetually in like middle school mm-hmm. and like these like American high school archetypes have to be like the structure of the known universe. Right. Right. But I digress. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems weird because I think the original is about sort of, you know, thinking that you are more powerful, which I think is kind of mm-hmm. like this, you know, ancient human concept of like yeah. when we're given power, we think that we are the god sort of, and it's more about kind of that. Uh, what's thrown into the mix, which I didn't expect as I watched the anime more, uh, is that there's this other sort of high school person who is sort of like a Sherlock Holmes type master detective. Mm-hmm. And so he comes on the case kind of assisting the police. And so he like makes it his mission to solve. Like he has worked in the past on like unsolved unsolvable mysteries mm-hmm. and crimes. And so he's like making it um, his mission to solve this one. So they kind and of solve become, this one meaning these deaths. Yeah. Who is causing these deaths? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're sort of like pitted against each other. And I love um, a Japanese detective. That's like yeah, exactly. Like yeah. one of I like yeah, one of my uh, elements of I'm like give me Japanese a reluctant Japanese detective. I will watch it forever. Yeah, and, and there's some fun touches because he's like a teenager, and then he like wants to absorb as much information all the time as he can. So he like eats lots of like desserts and sweet stuff like for the sugar to keep him like awake. And stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like some fun yeah. thing. So he's always eating like ice cream and jelly beans and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, working with these like professional detectives. But I think what's also missing is, and it, it works for me, maybe it doesn't work for everyone, um, but the show is, the anime is very like philosophical. So a lot of the episodes are just like this detective and then like the kid. Um, and having conversations, so if the kid's having talk, conversation with the demon, like, explaining what his plan is, 
and it's just like this cat and mouse game but also they just have like these philosophical conversations about like whether this is moral or what it should be happening is really interesting and i often find myself like watching it and then just like oh the episode's over let's like just it's easy to start another one but like i realized like oh mostly they were just sitting around talking mm-hmm. um and then some murders thrown in there <laughs> he writes people's names in there so i well, when he writes his names in there how do they die um they talk a lot about there's like these rules that come along with the book hmm. so you can write how they die oh um and you can also sometimes plan the time when they die mm-hmm. um so there's all these, and that's part of it, like, is, like, in the show, you, he sort of, like, learns more and more details about how it works and how to, like, use those methods to mm-hmm. do, like, throw people off or um, murder people he knows but in a secret way and things like that. So kind of a dark, twisted concept, but, like, when you get into it, philosophical. Um, but, yeah, I like the elements of, like, is this actually a moral thing to do? Um, what are the consequences on people? He sort of gets, like, drunk on the power, and then, like, if anybody is going to discover him, his first thought is, like, well, I can just kill them, um, even if they're not, like, bad people, you yeah. know? Um, but he starts to think, like, my mission is bigger, big enough, important enough to change the world that this is worth also killing these people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I didn't expect the anime to be that thoughtful and interesting, and the uh, live action to be kind of dumb. Also, in the end, the uh, the way they sort of wrap it up and solve it, and I think possibly they were planning to maybe have other films, um, which may not happen now, but they, it's just wrapped up very strangely and not interestingly. So it's kind of this like dramatic moment, but it's not. It kind of just makes it more complex than it should be, and things like that. Um, with the girlfriend and everything. So there's just like weird character choices that don't seem to follow through or mm-hmm. like seem accurate from one scene to another uh, with what they're doing. But there are some nice moments, I will say. Like it's pretty slick in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's some good sort of action moments that are handled really well by the And director. not a lot of uh, rough edges. Yeah, and it did. it does definitely feel like somebody in charge was... They had more shot probably yeah. it was a longer film and they for some reason just said like let's trim out the fat and just make it really lean and but it kind of like loses some of its character with that mm-hmm. um so yeah it, i would say it's it's worth exploring if you're interested in watching that where do you watch the anime anime is also on netflix right now okay. um i think it's also on hulu i want to say the anime it's in both places hulu hulu and uh, and the live action is also made by Netflix. Yeah. Apparently, there's some Japanese live action films. Hmm. I don't know if they're available very well in the U.S., but I think they're supposed to be all right. Not bad. And they expanded a few films, so they give characters room to breathe, I think. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, on the subject of anime, mm-hmm. um, I know that, or I'm pretty sure that like the second season of Attack on Titan has been mm-hmm. released and screened in Japan. Okay. Um, and I just stumbled across it the other day, and uh, and I think that like you can there's probably some there's some look like there's some places you could like watch it online. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, must do. Um, but I'm also waiting to see um, it wait till it comes out and it's like uh, subtitled. Hmm. Um, 
Because I'd like to watch it sometimes. Cause, yeah, because that was also, I just, in terms of live action, like you and I went to see, I think they made two live action. Oh, yeah, yeah. In a series. Yeah. They, I mean, it's more, it was more like fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, like, a, or a, than it was like a, an adaptation. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't seem to have the budget for right, they didn't much of anything. Budget, yeah. But so it's I, interesting, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I don't know, I think... I don't know. I, I don't know what the Japanese audience is like, mm-hmm. but I can imagine that there's like a particular spot yeah. for like you know live action adaptations of anime films mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, that was all right, you know, yeah. and it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. super awesome to be cool. Yeah, you know. Here's my uh, plugs that I get no money or anything from <laughs> endorsement. Uh, I think I sent you a Blade Runner anime. Yeah, prequel short. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on Crunchyroll. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, the second season is on Crunchyroll. Available. Oh, it is. Um, I also oh. think it might be on Hulu. Hmm. Hulu has quite a big anime selection, actually. Hmm. I would say it's one of the stronger ones. I'm not positive it's on Hulu. I'm but glad we had this talk, Eli. Yeah, I'm sure the listeners appreciate we have this talk too. Yeah, because um, I mean, there's like a few, and like like you, I'm sort of picky about my anime, mm-hmm. um, but like. I would love love to lose like two weeks of my life watching the second season. <laughs> the second season. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's Death Note and um, oh, yeah. I, Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else you got? Um, I realized there was one more that I, I guess is one more that I meant wanted mm-hmm. to mention. Um, I watched um, the new live action remake of the Tech. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I watched maybe like four episodes or so mm-hmm. of it. Um, uh, Netflix also, or sorry, uh, Amazon Prime also has the original live action mm. version of it, in which Patrick Warburton, who voices the Tick on the animated version of it, <laughs> plays uh, the Tick. Okay. And uh, sadly, well, not sadly, um, the new Tick is a little more. It's different, mm-hmm. um, and it's more about Arthur and his life. And, you know, there's some backstory, which I don't remember being involved in, about, like, mm-hmm. his parents being killed by an evil supervillain and other sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it's an interesting show. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work so much as a tick show. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the tick's there. Yeah. Um, but it's just one of those things, like, Patrick Warburton is the tick. <laughs> right, yeah. This guy is fine. He is, yeah. But he's not Patrick Warburton. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't quite do it the same way yeah and you know it's fine he's a great guy mm-hmm. um but it doesn't do it for me yeah because it's like we already have because if i go back and look at like the last live action version it's not as well done it's not as well produced mm-hmm. um but it's the writing is a little bit i mean it's it is a different That's feel a flavor yeah, yeah it's, it's it's like campy um mm-hmm. whereas the new one is like semi-serious mm-hmm or like serious at points, kind of uneven, kind of try to figure out, kind of, it's kind of hard to feel exactly what world we're in. Yeah. You know, or like what, again, like what are we, what, like, you know, is this, whatever. Is mm-hmm. it funny? Is it serious? A little mm-hmm. bit of both? What's going on? Do I laugh? Yeah. Do I cry? Is this funny? Is it serious? Hmm. But like the live action one with Patrick Warburton is just fun. Yeah. You know, and it's got Batman well and, uh, you know, a number of American Made and a number of the other <laughs> yeah. characters. Um, and it seems to have the right balance of camp and slightly serious. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, I was watching both of them back and forth. I'm like, yeah. 
I want to watch the just whole prefer the, uh, yeah. yeah you know it's like you know and, and like of those um, you know I prefer the animated one mm-hmm. um, but uh, if I'm going to pick a live action one I'm going to pick the other one oh, right. and you know you know, maybe it gets better maybe it gets mm-hmm. better yeah. um, but I was like eh. yeah I think I had a similar I haven't watched the new one I've seen previews for it and yeah. stuff but I actually like couldn't quite recall in my mind I was like I feel like there was already a live yeah, see, action version yeah but I would don't and I think it was that image of Patrick Warburton yeah. that I was like I think that was him I think he was the yeah. tech um so yeah I think I would probably feel similar that he is just the tech so yeah. it's hard to replace that in, if you're used to that well um, yeah I mean I also think he has a superior performance mm. like I mean you know, like even or even like the lines that he's given to to read, mm-hmm. like the writing, yeah, the tick as you know in the first live action mm-hmm. one is is like the tick, right. yeah. In the, I know they try to make him like a more complicated character, and he doesn't mm-hmm. have as many catchphrases, and like he's yeah. nothing but catchphrases, right? Yeah, there is one funny bit <laughs> in there, and I don't know. I mean, my, he like has a different helmet, okay, like on the second episode, yeah. It's just slightly different. Uh-huh. And Arthur's like, well, did you change your helmet? And he's like, no, why? And I have no idea why it's in <laughs> why? there. I think they actually got a new piece James of equipment. Yeah. But I thought it was really funny. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and like some of the things like his little antenna, which are mm-hmm. like an important part of his expression, mm-hmm. they're better done in the old version. Really? More and like there's so yeah. much technology. Like, right. They could just CGI it now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean or, or like, like, could they not make better animatronic antenna? Yeah. And so I think it's just, but they weren't, I don't know. Focus, it, yeah. It's cool that they're they're doing that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it um, was great. <laughs> um, so, but if you, yeah, if you're interested in watching a live action tick, like, go to Amazon Prime and look up the old one. I don't I think you'll be, yeah. Because, um, I mean, I've talked about, I mean, in terms of, like, loving Patrick Warburton, mm-hmm. and we talked about um, the series of Unfortunate Events in which yeah. he plays Lemony Snicket. I mean, he like makes the show. Yeah. I mean, like his like his voice acting mm-hmm. um, is just superb, yeah. Yeah. and 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 makes that viewing experience top notch. Mm. Nice. I'm sticking with the theme of animated yep. films a little bit or shows. Recently showing up also on Netflix is Neo Yokio, mm-hmm. which I didn't know anything about, and I saw it pop up as like one of the new things and. From the picture, I was like, I don't recognize this. And I read the description, and I think part of the appeal, even after I watch it, is like, it confused me, the people involved in it, like the combination of people, um, and in general who's involved. And then, I don't know if you've ever watched things where, like, I don't understand sort of, like, what they're going for, but I feel like it is something... And it's unique. Like, it is, they have created a world that I am not familiar with, and it's sort of fascinating. And I don't know if I, like, love it, but it's, like, fascinating enough that it's, like, I want to watch some more because I want to kind of understand this. So that's kind of the way I felt about it overall. But it is from kind of the lead from the band uh, Vampire Weekend, which I've liked for a while. Mm -hmm. And so he created the show. And hasn't really done anything like this before. Um, so he writes uh, some of the episodes, I think, with some other people. And kind of created the concept. 
Um, but I've been a fan of them for a while. And they've, as a side note, like, I found out about them weirdly, like, online before they released their actual album originally and, like, a couple of their songs. But after their first album, I was kind of like, they have a very unique sound. Uh, like indie rock or? Yeah, like indie rock. A little bit influence of kind of, like, the... Um, African, like Paul Simony, oh yeah, kind of rock, with a little more and like so mix that with like a little bit of like a punk flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also had this like vibe of kind of being like preppy though, uh, preppy looking. And I kind of was worried like they wouldn't be able to kind of like shake this vibe and style or like continue it. You know, it's gonna get old if they just like, yeah. And they've been um, able to stay interesting um, through a few albums. So, anyways, that's kind of a side note, but Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend created it. Uh, Jaden Smith, Will Smith's son, does hmm. the main voice, and there's like a so it's in like a futuristic New York sort of, but sort of an alternate reality. So instead of New York, it's Neo Yokio. So it's a very, like, like more a, these, the multicultural San Francisco that is in uh, Big Hero. Six. Big Hero Six, yeah. And uh, so his, like, butler... It's kind of about, like, these aristocratic types in New York, kind of upper-class people. And he has, like, a butler that's, like, a big robot, basically. Kind of classic, like, um, anime kind of style. Well, I should say his aunt is Susan Sarandon. Oh. So there's some pretty good talent involved. Heavy hitters. Uh, Oh, the uh, robot butler is Jude Law. (laughs) Ha! So, uh, which is pretty good. And then I've heard some some people not too happy about Jaden Smith's performance, but I actually kind of really like it. I know, I think he's gotten a different flack, like he was in, in that Shyamalan movie with his dad, mm, and it was yeah. a pretty flat performance. And I, I don't follow him a lot, but I understand that young people are really well, fascinated did, did he also, by him. Did he also play in um, the, the Pursuit of Happiness? Do you know that one? Yeah. I think when he was younger? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. He's good a, film. He's also in the um, the Get Down. He fit in pretty well there. I don't know if he's the strongest part of that film, but he's like one mm. of the MC team in there. But he has kind of like a flat voice performance, but his character is supposed to be sort of like bored with life, kind of. Like he's, <laughs> he's like a rich kid, mm-hmm. but it like, and he's supposed to be sort of ironic and stuff in the way he talks so mm-hmm. it worked for me um but i also thought his performance kind of sounds like um jason schwartzman in rushmore like it's kind of a oh, similar yeah. character and then he has like a arch nemesis of course mm-hmm. who's like super cool too that he's trying oh, to compete yeah. with and then i looked it up and it's jason schwartzman oh so i don't know i was like you're just kind of reading my mind and this is like the world you're building mm-hmm. um so I would say the show kind of feels like half like Wes Anderson mm-hmm. and half sort of anime. Mm-hmm. And I think they're commenting on some of like the tropes of anime. Um, I'm not quite, like I said, I'm a little confused by it. Like it seems to sort of be making fun of like upper class and kind of like this modern view of different um, classes of society and stuff and mm-hmm. he's he's like very concerned about wearing like the best clothes and he talks about his like personal brand and stuff like yeah that. yeah uh-huh. and he's trying to be on the top bachelor list in town and stuff like that 
Um, but I think, like, well, I think it's six episodes the first season. By the end, you start, I think they're, like, intentionally sort of breaking down that image and he starts to see like oh there's other things happening in this culture like there's kind of this like outside city that is uh you know like the poorer people they have like a speed racer type race in it through town Sweet. and then he like drives to this other area and he's like why are these people all mad at us and throwing things at us i don't get it so it's like uh opening up this world and then so i, I dug a little deeper there's like a character who's kind of like his um, love interest who was like a fashion blogger in the show mm-hmm. and then oh the other thing I didn't mention is that he is uh, an exorcist so he just uh-huh. like anime of course like his right. his like family legacy is that they do exorcisms um, do they hunt like vampires a, as well? they don't hunt vampires but there's they, like they should there's like vampires. a demon problem that can pop up from time to time uh, that uh, and so they're their family is not actually like the upper class, but through history they were sort of elevated up through um, the different levels because of this ability they have, um, this sort of supernatural ability to take care of the demons. So he still kind of has to like do his job sometimes, even mm-hmm. though he lives the rich life. His like rich aunt Susan Saranen has to come and be like, "Hey, I need you to go exercise this person." So he exercises this uh, fashion blogger, sort of teenager, and then they kind of become love interests. But I had read that she was played by, her voice is by this actual, like, teenage fashion blogger, mm-hmm. who I didn't know anything about, but I looked up some videos, and she did some, like, YouTube videos and stuff in the past. And she seems like a real-life Wes Anderson character. Um, <laughs> she has, like, a very dry delivery, but she's, like very pretty and like all about clothes and stuff like that. I don't know it's kind of hard to explain hmm. but again this whole world I'm like sort of confused by sort of fascinated and I'm at least want to watch more but um, I wanted to bring it up yeah and talk about it so I don't know if it would be everybody's cup of tea or your cup of tea it, it's kind of weird like I feel I appreciate it in that where most shows you feel like, oh, they're going to make like a clear joke at this moment about something. They just kind of like play it straight. Hmm. So I think they're still like commenting and sort of parodying certain things, mm-hmm. but like it's in a very subtle way, um, hmm. sort of like having fun with it at the same time. So it plays it a little more straight than you think. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there, there's some interesting, I think they are commenting on different concepts in our society things like that so i recommend it um at least checking it out it's kind of a fascinating i think netflix is trying some pretty brave things in certain ways or they're hiring certain people and like you said i think tv is where or tv streaming is where people are being allowed to try more interesting things than feature films so i i'm willing to see where they go with this next yeah it sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we can probably wrap up there. Yeah. Some things that I'm excited about, though. Mm-hmm. I hear like the the next part of the Vol- the new Voltron. Yeah. There should be like that's going to be out soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we were excited about that in our house. Yeah. Um, there was uh, we're like we're like eagerly waiting the second season of Troll Hunters, which I've talked mm-hmm. at length about because it's awesome. Yeah. Um, we started to watch that. We are like, a, you know, um, we just went back and sort of did like some 
fun binging where like we watch one they're like let's watch another let's watch another and like there yeah. goes saturday afternoon <laughs> i mean i i agree from what you said about like the quality of it yeah. i mean even the animation yeah it's like like it's hard to believe that's just a tv show right um so maybe it's takes a while to produce yeah and, and they made a yeah they made a a lot yeah and the first season was like 28 episodes or something mm-hmm. i was like so, yeah. you, you can get by you with six these right, days. Right. I mean, this is literally like four far. or five seasons worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, I mean, if you haven't watched Troll Hunters, animated kid show, DreamWorks, like you, you watch it and you'll be like, oh my god, like how did I one not hear about this and like how is this so good? Yeah, because um, it's, I mean, I you know, it was one of those things. I didn't hear anything about, mm-hmm. but also like that also might be. I mean, one of the things I think about in terms of like the the you know what makes this what characterizes our like media consuming world, mm-hmm. it's like like um, you know, I mean Netflix is both a place where I watch things mm-hmm. and a place where I'm advertised things. Yeah, you know because it's like yeah, I, I watch sure. it because it popped up. You know, it's like well, yeah. you might like this. I'm like I know because you know everything about me. Because right. back in the old days when you could click like movie preferences, I did it for like hours till you had <laughs> nothing left. So now you know it. Yeah, you know everything that I like. And it probably talks, you know, talks to all the other services about things that I like, you know. And so it's it's interesting that mm-hmm. like I, you know, I mean, I don't know where I would. I didn't never saw a trailer for it, you know. I mean, we did read. There's a kids mm-hmm. book. We've read the kids book, yeah. But I didn't know there was. It, it didn't have the like now a major Netflix film or yeah. whatever on the book. I was, you know, and essentially like thing that Guillermo del Toro made. I'm like, I like him. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. There's this odd experience happening. Uh, with like Netflix especially I feel like where I will like just hear about like say a movie and then I'll realize like oh that's a Netflix movie and then like the next week it's like out on Netflix (laughs) yeah like the new Angelina Jolie directed film where she's kind of in this phase of doing like serious films about other places in the world which is fine and great um but her newest film, which people were saying, like, this is her most mature film and stuff like that. And I was like, they were talking about fe- film festivals. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I haven't really heard anything about it. And then the next time I go on Boom. Netflix, it's there. So like, Dear oh. Eli. Yeah. And apparently there's a new uh, Stephen King ab- adaptation of one of his books huh. that popped up on Netflix as well, yeah. which I hear is good. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like they are rushing to get as much content out yeah. there so that I, I also, their service is valuable. Yeah. But it's almost like I can't even, like, keep up with... Like, some of it just gets lost, you know? I also have to say this. Like, it blows my mind mm-hmm. that, like, Netflix makes a show. Yeah. And they release it themselves. Mm-hmm. And no one has to pay for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, like, I know, like, I'm paying monthly. Mm-hmm. It's like... I pay like I'm like, I pay I think I pay like eleven dollars a month now. Yeah, um, which is not a lot of money. No, um, you know it's just it's just it's like it's amazing to me that that's that's their model of success. Right. You know I mean like which is not it's not a criticism. It's just because right. like we you know like we step next door to like the feature film market mm-hmm. and like that involves investment yeah. that involves massive marketing especially if it's a bad movie right, right you know like marketing to make up the cost up, yeah and then you know like release and hype about that you know and it's like and there's all this sort of and, like, and you're mm-hmm. literally selling the movie to people in the theaters you're selling them copies of the dvd you're selling them the games you're selling them the chotch yeah um and netflix doesn't charge for a view you know i mean like yeah. you know it's it, it's just it's um it's fascinating to me yeah i mean i had the other experience of like um 
the new Noah Baumbach movie. Yeah. If you know him. And I, they just released a trailer recently. And then at, at the end it was like, you know, available in October on Netflix. And I was like, at first thinking like, usually his films are smaller. Like they hardly get yeah. theatrical releases. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to wait a while for this. It's probably at film festivals. And I'm like, oh. I don't have to wait long for this at all. Yeah. I can see it it's, in a oh, couple that, weeks. Yeah. It is October. Yeah. Did, did he do um, Kicking and Screaming? He did. I think that's I really like that film. He's co-written some um, Wes Anderson films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I've, I've been to Prague. Um, <laughs> I, I just, it was, that film was showed to me by like a very, very good friend of mine, Tim, who was on the show. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I just sort of fell in love with it. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's, and it's so, I, I think Ad, it's, Adam it's, Sandler's in the new it's, one. It's super good. Adam Sandler's great. Yeah. I like Adam Sandler. He's more, I think there's, he's, it's serious. Well, he was serious, in, he was serious in Punch Drunk Love. He, there's funny moments in it. Yeah. Like, naturally funny. Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should be good. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening. That's all we got for this week. Yeah. Take you later.